Hi, this is John Gunter at the Eagle Community Church of Christ in Mont Bellevue, Texas. Thanks again for checking out our podcast, and uh, we'd love to have you in person as well, so just consider that an open invitation. Uh, we do have a service change for this week. Uh, going forward, our early service will begin at 9 a.m., and our second service will begin at 1045. So early at 9, later at 1045, we, we hope you'll join us there. Uh, as we continue our Stronger Summer series where we're just challenging our church to continue moving closer to God throughout this summer. We're not waiting on anything. And hey, we'd love to have you join us as, as we do that. So uh, this week we're talking about prayer. And I really examine the way Jesus taught his disciples to pray and even how Jesus prayed. So, so we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus' prayer in John 17. So uh, it was a, it was a great study for me, and I hope you'll be blessed by it as well. So here it is, stronger prayer. Words and say it was different. It was still good, but it was different. So I, I have taken it as such. Um, but I uh, I am so glad that you're all here, and that we've uh, uh, we got so many people here this morning. I know a lot of vacations going on and everything. I had to put on Facebook this week is like, listen, I want to encourage some of you. I am not at the beach either. It seems like everybody else is, and they're taking pictures of it. So uh, I am not at the beach either. We're, uh, we are landlocked in, um, in Arkansas, so uh, that's, that's how my week is going. Again, glad that you're here. We, uh, we have been going through the series that I have called A Stronger Summer. And again, the idea, if you haven't been with us, is that through this summer, we are not going to become complacent, not going to become stagnant, that we are continuing to grow and ask God to do a work within us, that, that we are moving towards that, that word we used uh, in the beginning, that sanctification that we're all called to do. For some reason, when we begin our Christian life, sometimes we have the idea that at baptism, baptism is like the end, when baptism is actually just the beginning. So if your idea this morning is, I'll wait till be baptized until I have it right, you'll never get there. You will never get that without the, the help of God. And so when you are baptized into Christ, that is the beginning. That is where we say, okay, God, work within me that I am this new person and that God is choosing to bring me closer to him. And we want to participate in that. And that's what this whole series is about. This morning, we have, uh, I've chosen to focus on prayer, that we are going to become stronger in prayer. Uh, I have been, I've mentioned the cards on the back uh, of the chairs, and, and we don't want to do that out of just uh, habit or anything like that, but we actually want to become a praying church. And so uh, we're going to try and, if John remembers, to say that every time I get up for the welcome and everything. Uh, so again, I want to point your, uh, your attention to those. How many of you are like me? As you go through life, as you come to hardships or uh, just a task or anything that comes up in your life, the first thing you try to do is to fix it. Like my go-to, my default is how can I solve this problem? Okay? Anybody else like that? We need, we need some confessions in here this morning. Now, that is my default, and I don't like that. That is a confession because so many times I do that, and I try to work and struggle and try to fix and I realize I'm, I'm kind of getting anxiety. I'm kind of getting worked up, and I've come to the end of my rope. John has no more solutions. And then John realizes John went to Bible school, and John's a preacher, but John hadn't thought to pray about it. Anybody else? 
And I'm so inspired by people who just, their first thing is, I'm going to pray about it. Or everything that happens, I'm going to be praying for that to happen. Uh, I, I hopefully didn't embarrass Julia in the first service, but Julia, she's been working with us, you know, trying to find housing and everything. Every time, every step of the way as we're, we're making a change or anything, Julia's going to let you know either by, if you're talking to her on the phone or texting or whatever, this is going to happen and I'll be praying for it. And I'll be praying for it. And so she's wired that way. I'm like, I want to be more like that, that I'm praying first because I have faith. I believe that God is able. He is faithful to help us. But how many times do we treat God like, well, it's like dad when he's worked all day and it's in the evening and you need something, but I don't know if it's worth it to go and bother him right now. Don't we treat God that way? Like, like there has to be a certain severity level before I think it's okay to take it to God. So the little things, I'll handle that on my own, God. I got this. Give you a break. Like we feel like God doesn't have the capacity to handle our little things. And so we work and we fix, and we're so minded uh, here in our culture to be that person, to go work hard, to pull up your pants and just get it done, right? But I want to encourage us this morning to be stronger in prayer, to think about praying first. Uh, I want to point your attention to Matthew chapter 6, where the Lord teaches his disciples to pray. And I'm sure most of you have noticed by now, as uh, many sermons that I've given, that I love to, to read a passage so we get the whole picture and then we'll come back to it and, and go after it that way. Uh, the way I was raised, we, we went kind of verse by verse, but we always left out the bigger picture. And so sometimes that can kind of warp what you think, warp what you understand. And so that's what we'll do again this morning is to, uh, to take this scripture reading from Matthew 6, uh, starting there in verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you learn that in the King James, what's next? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen, right? Uh, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. All right. There are several points to be made from this passage. But I want to, to start out by just kind of pointing you to the way Jesus lived his life. The gospel writer John says that uh, you know, Jesus went about doing so many things that yet we've written a lot, but a lot more could be written about his ministry, about the things he did while on earth. And so if we know that, we have to pay attention to the things the gospel writers did tell us. Okay, so they were able, they didn't give you everything. They said, this is what, this is, what is important to know. And so what do we know about Jesus' life? That everywhere Jesus went, though he was involved in ministry, he had people following him everywhere. People needed healing. People needed to know about the gospel. People didn't have their lives right. Yet Jesus still made time to go away and pray. 
That doesn't even feel right, does it? That Jesus would walk away from a crowd like this wanting to hear from him, wanting to, wanting to be healed, wanting to, to experience Jesus, and he would have to take time to go talk to his Father in heaven. And so, church, if Jesus did that, how much more do we need to do that? Because God is not this, this dad who's had a rough day and you just bring a little bit to him. God is The story of the Bible is that God wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. And so we come to him as a father, as someone who has a close relationship. Anybody got a close relationship with someone that, like, it's a real relationship? Like, we can go, we can talk anytime. They're going to tell me the truth, what I need to hear, you know, not what I want to hear, what I need to hear, that kind of deal. Well, that takes work, doesn't it? That takes, like, experience. That takes, like, hanging out with each other, going through some things together. That's what it takes to have a real relationship. Well, how close would that relationship be if we decided not to talk to each other? Like, we just met. Hey, we want to be really close. Me and Jordan are going to be really close. But the first thing we're going to decide in our relationship is to not talk. Talking just kind of gets in the way of things. You know what I mean? How close would our relationship be? It wouldn't be close. We know that. It's not, that's not a hard question, is it? But how often do we just not talk to God? When Jesus' example of walking the earth, even though we know he, he was God, he was connected, he had a connection like none other, he's going off and praying and taking time. We need to do the same. Jesus here, uh, when he begins this section, remember when uh, Josh taught on fasting when the church went through the fast? That, that fasting section is right after this. And the point Josh made in that is that Jesus begins it by saying, when you fast, not if you fast, okay? He does the same thing right here with prayer. So Jesus expects his people to be people of prayer. When you pray, and he actually says that a couple of times uh, throughout this section, when you pray, and he goes into telling you kind of what to do and what not to do. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. There are ways in which we can do things in the wrong way, right? Two weeks ago, we talked about love. We talked about all the things someone could do, even having these spiritual gifts of prophecy and speaking in tongues, which they held so highly, you know, they just like, man, I wish I could do that. And Paul said, you can do all of that stuff, and if you don't have love, you're nobody. You are nothing. And so there are ways in which we could stand up here and, and just hope that you look at me, you know, like he's something special. And my heart not be right. And so we can, we can come to God, we can do these things thinking we're doing them for God, but if we are not right, we are not changed, we're not doing this the right way. Jesus says, it's hypocrites that just want to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, those hypocrites have received their reward in full. But when you pray, again, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And think about that. Now, maybe the, the spiritual gifts of prophecy or speaking in tongues isn't a thing for you guys, and I wish I could have that, but how many of us uh, love like a singing show? Like, I wish I could do that. Like, we're, we're saying in church, you know, I wish I could speak well. I wish I could lead singing. I wish I could do this or that. Or His prayers are fantastic. I wish I could pray like that. And so we're, we're just chasing this other thing, and God is saying, you know, 
our relationship is a close relationship. You can go and talk to me in your closet. There's no reward for standing up here and just saying, look at me. The reward is found in my relationship with God and how close we are together. And he says, and when you pray, number three, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Anybody known someone that when they get up to pray, like you're trying not to lock out your legs, like you're going ahead and grabbing the seat in front of you, you know it's going to be a, a, a ride. Yeah, I've been there too. It's a confession on my part. It has nothing to do with, with my buddy. I, I'm just, my buddy has a good heart. He wasn't babbling like a pagan, but I had a buddy that when he got up to pray, we're going at least six or seven minutes. I actually timed him one time because I had so much anxiety because that was chapel and we had Greek next class. And so my mind wasn't exactly on chapel or the prayer or anything. It was like, I've got to pass this class and it's not in my language, okay? And so my, I had a buddy like that, but it, it's not like that, but some people can be this way that I want to be seen by others and, and maybe it's not enough to be seen by others. I need you to hear me speak. I need you to hear me talk and then you can praise me afterwards of how good I did. And if I come in here like this this morning, I'm not right with God, am I? Jesus said, don't go on babbling like pagans. He says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. There's no reason to keep repeating it with God. Now, I've heard some teaching that, that kind of skews that, which is not what, what uh, Jesus is getting at. I had a, a teacher one time in high school who said, what this means is when you get up to do communion, you know, we kind of have similar language every time we will bless the communion or anything like that. He, he said, what that means is you can't say the same thing each time. No, that is not what this means. This means that I am coming to God, trying to impress even God with my many words. He says, don't be like that. God already knows what you need, but he still wants you to talk to him. He still wants you to have that relationship with him. And then Jesus goes into this. He says, this then is how you should pray. And what I've highlighted on the board is what I want you to take from this. How many of us, when we pray, do we pray, God, give me. God, I need. What I have highlighted up there. How did Jesus teach us to pray? Look at that. Our Father, your name, your kingdom. So he's talking to God. Your will be done. And look, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray communally. That when we come to God, we are not just coming with the eyes and the I wants and the I needs. And thank you for giving me, God. But we are coming as a group. Remember, we, we've talked here in the last few weeks, uh, both uh, Jesus and, and Paul referring back to love God, love others as yourself, love your neighbors, right? So part of loving your neighbors as yourself is including them and their, their welfare and all the things that are going on in their lives when we pray. One of the things that we've done, one of the best things we've done as parents is uh, everything. We're perfect. Um, no. But, uh, and actually, I guess it was Katie that really started. She said, we need to pray together at night. 
And so every night we'll go and, and crawl in the, uh, the boys have twin beds that are side by side, and we'll go crawl into bed, and we'll let one of them pick the order of who's going to go. Yeah, that's right. Pick the order of who's going when. And I'll tell you what, you want to you check up on how you pray, listen to your kids pray because they've been listening to you. And you'll figure out through their voices kind of what you think is important. Boy, that is a shocker sometimes. But the funniest thing is Logan has some of the best prayers. Uh, one time he was mad at us when he went to bed. And so he, be, he began his prayer by saying, um, God, thank you that mommy and daddy don't get screens anymore. He didn't want us to have screens anymore because we were in trouble uh, because we had given him no screens. And then... What else did you pray? Don't remember? <laughs> it's like, I am not part of this. Uh, but some of the funniest times together as a family is just to be there and hear what our, uh, our kids want to pray about. I remember, what he, I remember what it was. Now, one time he prayed, he said, uh, Dear God, thank you that we can do whatever we want to do. And me and Mama were like, hold up. Let's clear that up right now. It's almost like he thought, you know, if me and God are cool with it, surely my parents will be, you know. And so it was fantastic. But just to, just to understand, and we all know, you know how you pray. I don't have to step on your toes about that this morning. I'm telling you about my confession, about how I pray. But Jesus teaches his disciples to be, I, I'm going to claim to love others. Well, I am going to actually love others. Because just like love, if I do all of these things and I don't have love, I don't actually care. I'm only inwardly focused. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. And so Jesus says, pray for everybody. We, our. Stop using I as much. There's like, you need to pray for yourself. But start noticing how many times you're saying I versus we and our. Okay? Uh, another thing I want to point out, you remember the parable from Luke 18 where Jesus, again, shows a, a way not to pray. It's, this is the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, okay? And, and Jesus kind of sets this up, and he says, to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else. Read, church people. Talking about a Pharisee here. Talking about someone who is claiming religious authority. I've got it figured out. I am right. They are wrong. So to the church people who were confident in their own righteousness, so what they were doing, uh, and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like these other people. Thank you, Lord, for not making me like them. He says, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. So as Jesus sets this parable up, he is thinking about a church person who looks at others and says, I have it figured out. Woe is them because they're wrong. They don't do it. And here's the proof. I actually fast. I actually give what I'm supposed to give. So I come to church. I do the things in the right ways. Yet what was wrong, church? He thought that made him right with God. That just because I do an action that I become right with God, that he doesn't actually have a healthy relationship with God. He's just coming and doing and thinking he's right with God. 
And Jesus compares that. He says, but the tax collector, the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. So we've got a man standing, wanting everyone to see him because he points out everybody else's flaws. And then you've got a tax collector who says, he wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Part of this story, and, and I'm sure you know uh, some of it, is the hatred these people had for tax collectors. They were the worst of the worst. Rome occupied this area, and so Rome needed to collect taxes, and they wouldn't force people to necessarily to collect taxes. They would take volunteers. And so those people that were taking taxes were their people, not Rome's people, but Israel's people. But the way they got money, the way they got wealthy was to kind of fudge the numbers, to require more than was necessary. And so it was like having a traitor from Rome, but he's your brother, but he's working for the other people. Anybody get real excited about paying taxes every year? Like my wife's an accountant, so she makes money in that area, and she's not excited about taxes every year, okay? Yeah, nobody's excited about paying taxes. So they had a hatred for this man. So Jesus sets this up as somebody you wouldn't like, you wouldn't even think was, was right at all. And he makes him the hero of the story because the way he came to God, that he comes to God humbly, he comes to God realizing where he stands and what he's done. A buddy of mine says, you know, when you're coming to Christianity, you need to walk around with a mirror and a Bible. That's a healthy thing to think about. How do I actually act? Because a lot of times we come with some self-righteousness that is just unwarranted. Like, where does this come from? But here, Jesus says, the man who everybody hated that's hearing this story, because he came this way and said, God, I'm a sinner, said he walked away justified, not the other. And finally, I want to mention uh, John 17, where the whole chapter is just Jesus' prayer. I wanted to give you this outline this morning. This is from Warren Wearsby. He outlined this, but uh, the whole thing is just a long prayer. And he says, he actually says, if you reverently read this, I don't know what that means. Uh, but if you reverently read it, it takes about six minutes to get through. But look how he outlined this and, and the way Jesus prayed, that he prayed for himself in 1 through 5. He prayed for his disciples in 6 through 19, and then the end of his prayer is for the church. And there are times, again, there are times in the garden where Jesus is just praying, God, will this cup pass from me? He's praying about himself. But again, he had his, even then, when he was about to face such terrible circumstances, he still had his eyes and his mind on everybody else. But if it be your will, but if it be for these other people, and you see how Jesus prayed, that he's praying not only for himself, but everybody else in the church. And so my prayer for us as a church is that we become a praying church, even more than we are now. And I, I said last week that I love when people respond for any kind of prayer or anything, we've got like at least five people coming with them. And I love that. That is fantastic. But as a church, let's keep that up. Let's be known in this community as a praying church. 
that we come together, the first thing we're going to do, if we're going to go and do something, if we're going to uh, meet a need, whatever's going to happen, that the first thing we want to do, the first thing uh, we default to is prayer. And I need some help in that, okay? Can you help me? That's who I want to be as a church. That we're going to keep talking about these prayer and praise cards that we want you to respond. We want to pray. We want to be together and come closer together as a church in prayer, talking to our Father and gaining that relationship that we all want. We know we need it. But we allow so many things to kind of push our time out of the way. Our prayers are too quick. Not that they're not long enough, but we just, we know them. We, we, we pray for the same thing. We just get through it. It's kind of like a checkbox. Let's get this out of the way. God says, don't be like that. Talk to your father. You don't have to make it about you. You don't have to make it about a show. But have that relationship with God. That's my prayer for us as a church. I want to end this sermon with a prayer. Because if you're in the first service, I said, because you are going to hold it against me if I talk on prayer the whole time. I don't end in prayer, right? If we're going to talk about it, let's do it, right? That's the church I want to be. And that's the church I want to be a part of, the praying church. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Father, help us as we just strive to grow closer to you, God. Continually convict us of the, the ways in which that we might act selfishly. Lord, that we may have some trust in our self-righteous ways. God, convict us of that. Help us to become a loving, praying church. Not a church that talks about love and talks about prayer, but is actually loving and praying. God, Help us to continually grow closer to you. Lord, be with us as we make these changes in our life. Lord, make these changes come about in us. There are too many times, Lord, we just try to fix it. We just try to do everything in our power when you're standing right there wanting to talk to us and that you actually have the power. God bless us to that end. Bless us as a church. Lord, bless us in Mont Bellevue and for all the communities we represent right here in this room today. Would you bless us each uh, as we go uh, to those places? Lord, may we be salt and light in every place that we go. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you have any needs and uh, would like prayer, I'd love to pray with you. Uh, if you'd like to put the Lord on in baptism this morning, we can arrange that as well. So if you have any needs, would you come as we stand and sing?